welcome to the OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. In this episode, we're speaking with District School Board of Niagara instructional coach, Mark Chubb. We'll be getting a preview from Mark about his upcoming webinar of his OME 2018 talk, Building Your Students' Mathematical Intuitions. In our conversation, we make connections between intuition and estimation, the importance of students to be given the opportunity to notice and wonder, and why it's important to make things visual. So let's get to it. So good evening, everyone. We're talking with Mark Chubb. He's an instructional coach at the District School Board of Niagara. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Mark, I wonder if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been a teacher now for 18 years, the last six of which I've been an instructional coach, and I've spent the vast majority of my time doing math, talking about math, seeing kids in math classes, and teaching math courses for teachers for the last six years. So it's like the best life ever. It is, yes. And I'm wondering if you could just give us a little bit of a history of your involvement with OME. Well, I think it was maybe about 10 or 12 years ago, I saw my first few sessions at OEME, and I absolutely loved the speakers, and I wanted to make sure I could come back. After a few times seeing other people present, I decided that I would put my name in and offer to present something. In the last few years, I've presented two or three or four sessions each year. It's been a wonderful learning experience presenting with teams, presenting with other teachers that I work with. So it's been great. Yeah, I think that experience of going from a participant at the conference to a presenter is a very, very rewarding experience. And it's a little bit daunting at first, but the rewards are so great, I find, when you uh, make that switch from just being a participant to a presenter. Absolutely. I've actually really enjoyed working with other people. Those are my favorite presentations. Just that idea of sitting down together and talking about what you value and what they value. You learn so much. And sometimes that's like a scrum because sometimes you're you're not always in line, but it's a great way to get your thoughts in line when you start to have those discussions with someone who you're, you're going to present with. Absolutely, yes. So one of the sessions that you did last year at OME 2018 was called Building Your Students' Mathematical Intuitions. And you are going to do a webinar repeat of that session in March for us on the 20th. I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about what we might see in that session. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's quite an interesting title, I think. I mean, that, that idea of students having intuition is it's kind of seductive, right? The idea that the things that our kids are about to learn, they already have ideas about. So I'm hoping that we can think about the pieces in our curriculum that help our students bridge what they already know to what they're about to learn. I think part of that, to me, is recognizing that the kids are coming to our classes with some knowledge already. Absolutely. I mean, if we think about it, if we are just teaching a standard, if we just teach a curriculum expectation, if we just teach the procedure or the formula and we're assuming our kids have no background, then really we're not connecting with them, and we don't know anything about them yet. So part of this is assuming that our kids are coming with something and actually learning about our kids at the same time. For me, that's really the point and purpose of assessment. So even though we don't really talk about assessment in this talk, really that's what it's all about. I feel like we're always assessing. 
I mean, I think if we're doing our job well, we're always assessing, you know, what students know and what they don't know, and we're trying to adjust what we're doing based on what we're hearing from our students. Absolutely. I, I really like that quote that says uh, assessment, the root word is asadere, which means to sit beside. If we view assessment as sitting beside our students, we come to see it as I want to learn about my student. I want to understand how you think. If that's what assessment is, then this is the right chat for you. I like that. If that's what assessment is, it's the right job with you. Sitting next to a student, I think sometimes that gives us some of the best insight that we have on what that student knows and doesn't know. I think one of the benefits of my role, I, I mean, I see so many different teachers, I see so many different students. I get to get inside of kids' heads at a time. I get to hear different things from different rooms. I've learned so much because I've been afforded the opportunity to really listen. I think that's really been the, the biggest learning experience in my life. So in your talk, your focus is on intuition. How are we going to see how that intuition comes into play for students? Well, in my talk, the first thing that I'm actually going to do is talk about the opposite. I'm going to talk a little bit about what it looks like when we don't allow our students to think first or to have that little bit of intuition. And I think we can all recognize stories from our own classrooms where students are doing procedural things, are doing things and, and have major misconceptions that we are surprised at. But when we actually start to delve into some strategies to help us pay attention to our students' intuitions and let our students have a little bit more voice in the room, really what we're going to look at is how do we make things more visual? How do we make things more problem-based? How do we start with our students' thoughts before we jump to a procedure? How do we start with students' sense-making strategies or their reasoning before our students ever hear answer-getting strategies or mnemonics or anything that's helping our students with, with memory? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think that uh, I'm totally on board with you about starting with those visuals and not jumping to those algorithms or those formulas right away. But I think sometimes what we're fighting is when we are using those formulas and when we're showing those algorithms, the, the methods are so clean. And when we're looking for that sense-making at first, things can be a little bit messier. And it's it's hard to, to square that sometimes, I think, especially when traditionally it's been that clean way for so long. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the idea here is that we're trying to build thinkers. So we have to position ourselves as students for the moment and think about where they are and what are the things that they need to help them make sense. So while some people might see an activity as being messy, I think we need to see certain pieces of learning as essential building blocks. So jumping to the end isn't the answer. If we think about any good movie you've ever seen, any good book that you've ever read, just telling the end, telling the turning point, giving the ending away or whatever, might help you understand what the movie was about, but you didn't experience it. I think a lot of this has to do with like, what is mathematics? What does it mean to think mathematically? What, what is this beautiful, rich subject? And what does it look like in an actual classroom? And I think that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about. And I almost want to suss out the difference between a routine. Uh, I think uh, in Ontario, we're getting better at some of these routines. 
that involved more student voice and a little bit more visual, a little bit more engaging for students, and things that might actually be the topic that we're learning right now. So yes, I'll share a few routines that are helpful, but I also want to talk about how do we start the learning on any given topic, because that's a really big question that I think that we need to address. And so what kind of example might you give on you know, how you might start the learning on a particular topic? Well, let's take the topic of area. It's easy to just say area is length times width, but I wonder who actually understands that uh, what we're talking about here is the space that this shape is taking up, what the area is, the covering of this shape. So I think we should be starting with a task that actually gets our students to make some kind of an estimate, make some kind of guess at what even we should be doing here before, you know, length times width comes into play. What, what if I gave you a puddle? We've all heard of the puddle question or puddle problem. What's the area here? Like, those are the kinds of things that we need to address because at the end of the day, how many students in our province on an area question say the perimeter? How many students, when asked to share the surface area of a shape, tell us the volume? I think we need to take more time and build the concepts together. And I think that's an indicator of jumping to that algorithm too soon. You know, there's a great Ben Orland cartoon where it has a kid who's calculated the area of a triangle. And then he's in the next sentence, he says, what is it though? You know, and I, and I think when we're just evaluating the the correctness of the algorithm, that's all we can actually evaluate. And you said it, you know, if a kid gets that answer correct, if we're worried about answer getting, we still have no idea of whether they understand what area actually means. Exactly. In one of my talks last year, I actually proposed a thought and I said, if you can't represent it visually, I don't know if you understand it at all. I'm not saying you don't understand it. I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if you understand it. Now that's interesting. Now I, I'm, I can see that having a lot of legs in elementary and I'm, I'm thinking to, um, I was looking at some university work with my son in a linear algebra class and they were doing some, some things and, I, and, and in my mind I wanted to visualize the, the work that he was doing when I was trying to help him and the professors never did. And I wondered, you know, maybe is this why so many students struggle with the algebra because they can't visualize what's there and they're just given, you know, here's the procedure. When you see this, this situation, use that procedure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can't speak to everything that's learned in university, but if we can't explain a complex concept in a fairly simple way, then maybe our understanding of it isn't as robust as it could be. I don't know if uh, whatever your son is learning needs to be as robust, if it's, you know, a quick topic or whatever, but I do think, especially in elementary, the, the foundations here of all of math learning, these are the things that people take away as what math is for their lives. So I do think that all of this can be experienced visually. I've yet to have anybody tell me one curriculum expectation that can't be represented visually. Maybe there is, but nobody's challenged me yet. And I know that you do a lot of work with visuals on your blog, and, and I think that's a really great thing for people to see. Yeah, I think part of it is 
trying to challenge uh, myself and others um, how to represent certain things visually. I think it's an area that we all need to continue to develop and get better at. I know there are whole schools that have that as their school improvement plan of how how are we representing our math and our kids are are getting better and better at their mathematics because they are able to represent what they're thinking. So if we go back to this idea of you know how we start you know I like the the, the example of the area and this idea of estimating what the area might be first uh, and I'm wondering if estimation and intuition are the same or are they related or are they completely different things? I do think estimation is one major piece of what intuition is about. So if we think about a student's ability to estimate, yes, of course, that's helpful for your intuition. But sometimes it's about relationships, too. If I'm working with certain numbers and I know the properties of those numbers, my intuition should tell me what I could possibly do with these numbers. Like if I'm simplifying a fraction, for example, or if I am working with a linear pattern, if I can recognize a relationship here, that's part of my intuition as well. It has a lot to do with a conjecture. So an estimate is one kind of a conjecture. But really what we want from our students is to be making conjectures as they're working all of the time. And I, I think that idea of using a conjecture, I mean, that is really, to me, what it's like to be a mathematician. And not that we want every kid in our class to become a mathematician, but we certainly want them to think like one and be curious like one and have the persistence of one. Absolutely. So if we boil it down, we want our students to notice better. And I think that's the first piece that often is missed in class. Students aren't noticing things. They're jumping straight to the algorithm. They're jumping straight to the procedure and miss out on the key pieces here. We need to explicitly spend more time on noticing. We need to have more time for thinking to happen. And thinking can mean quite independent thought. It could mean time for students to be talking together. It can mean time where uh, students are drawing or working on a, on a problem. And we also need our students questioning more. If we get better at those three things, noticing and thinking and questioning, I think that is building our students' intuition. I think we're sometimes our own worst enemy in that relation. If you look at a textbook question, a question in a textbook, there's often not really anything that needs to be noticed that isn't important there. They've sort of laid it all out for you. Here's the question. You're going to use all these numbers somewhere. Here's the picture that you're going to use. Here's the, the three-step question, A, B, and C. And so we've, we've really not even given them a chance to notice anything that is really of, of use to them besides the things that they know they're going to use. So sometimes it's as simple as removing things that the textbook typically provides. So if the textbook has on page one the rules, the procedures, the step-by-step -step formula, and then on page two a bunch of questions that you just follow those steps, you're right, there's not really much to notice, there's not really much thinking, and the students aren't doing any questions. Uh, they're not actually questioning, uh, rather, I should say. But what students come to see, though, is that their job is to answer questions one to seven. Their job is to finish work. Their job isn't to learn. Their job is to finish work. 
I'm not saying there's not time for students to do work, but in this model, what we're doing is we're treating mathematics as a subject where we're producing work. What I'm suggesting is we spend more time in math class where we are learning. And yes, so part of what learning is, is doing. So if we have more time in this learning stance, and I don't mean listening as learning, I mean enacting uh, the verbs in our curriculum. I mean being an active participant in the learning process. If we are doing this, we have more opportunities for our students to be developing that intuition. So when they go do the textbook page or whatever questions you have, they actually understand it. So it seems as though there's probably not really any definitive answers on how to build the intuition for every student, because I think every student is going to be different in what they bring to your class. And I think that's the hard part that we have to face is, you know, how do we pull that, what that student knows compared to the student sitting next to them? Absolutely. So really there are two pieces here. So the first piece is, as a class, we're going to spend time developing this concept. And the other piece is the individual student. How am I as a teacher recognizing those differences amongst students? How am I recognizing a student that might not be sharing out loud? How am I as the teacher finding opportunities to pay attention to those students as well? That's a big question. And so when we're looking at what we're going to see in the webinar, can you give me an example of something that will help teachers walk away with things they can do to help improve their students' intuition? Well, like I said, the, there are routines that I think that are helpful. So one uh, routine that is, has caught on recently is something called a notice and wonder. I will attempt to offer a, f a few strategies that we can take away and how to do one of these successfully. And, and the idea here would be, it's not just a routine that I use unrelated to my math. It could actually be a big part of constructing the question together or constructing that learning together. I'll share a few other ways to help build our students' estimation. We've all heard of estimation 180. I'll touch on that quickly, but I'll talk about what estimation could look in other ways. Estimation isn't always about guessing a number or a range of numbers. There are, estimation means many more things than just that. So we'll look at further examples of estimation. And the other part is this idea of not a routine anymore, but actually delving into a brand new topic. What do the first few days look like so that we can slow down the learning and make sure that everyone's building a solid foundation right away without, you know, going back to a skills approach of mastering previous grades learning. I'm I'm talking about the content of this year. What are the uh, first few pieces of learning that I think that our students need in order to do well in this unit? Okay, so we don't want to give away the whole webinar tonight. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. I'm wondering if there's anything that you want to promote before we take off for the evening. Well, I think a few people have seen my blog, buildingmathematicians.wordpress.org. If you haven't seen it, I'd 
be happy to hear any feedback on any of the posts that I've made. And I, I have to say, I really appreciate the detail that you go into on your posts. They are not just sort of one-off things. You, you really clearly have thought about these topics. And I think, you know, anyone who comes to your blog will benefit from some of the insights that you've come up with. My goal for each post is really to dive deeply into a little bit of content and a little bit of pedagogy. So I often tackle a topic, but I try to give examples that are very specific and that might actually help us understand the mathematics a little bit better as well. That's my goal anyways. It's a valiant goal. Okay, so we will hear you at our your webinar on March 20th. Those of you who are OAME members will have access to that. And we thank you for joining us tonight, Mark. My pleasure. And we will see you on the 20th. All right, looking forward to it. So that was Mark Chubb, instructional coach from the District School Board of Niagara. We hope you enjoyed this brief intro to his talk of building your students' mathematical intuitions. He will be presenting his entire session from OME 2018 as a live webinar exclusively to OME members on March 20th at 8 p.m. If you're interested in attending that, you must sign up ahead of time at our MCIS registration site. There's a link in the show notes. You can also see a link to Mark's blog and other sites that we mentioned here. This is the last official show of our first season. We thank you for listening. Starting in September, we will run our second season, which will feature speakers from the upcoming OME 2019 conference. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you like the show, please leave a review or rating or contact us via email at oemetalks at oeme.on.ca or on Twitter where we are at oemetalks. Thanks and we'll see you next season.